What is up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Real Belief, a podcast exploring the wonders of religion through the lens of cinema. I'm one of your hosts, Archie, and I'm joined, as always, by my fabulous co-host, Xavier. How are you doing tonight, buddy? Good. And I'm I'm drinking a Starbucks, uh, I think it's a London Fog tea with heavy, heavy whipping cream. The drink of my people. <laughs> yeah, That's a good choice. And what are you what are you drinking for tonight's episode? Uh, I'm drinking some sake and Red Bull because I am not as classy as you. Nice. Um, and yeah, today was a very special surprise episode because we didn't have it planned. And what did we end up going with, Archie? Uh, so we watched The Eyes of Tammy Faye, which is a 2021 movie. And the reason we're doing this is it just won two Oscars, so we figured. Why not? No, a little better time for it. It won Best Actress for Jessica Chastain and Best Hair and Makeup. So I'm going to just come out and say that this is probably one of the top three movies that we've watched on the podcast. Easily. At least for me. Probably. And you know what You know what it's up there with? Tell me. Silence. Yeah, silence. And, and I, you, know what, you know what the common denominator there is? What? Andrew Garfield. Oh, He's yeah. He's the key. Yeah, that's... He's the key. <laughs> That's true. So is this, how many films have we watched so far with Andrew Garfield? This is one of the main... Two. Okay. I think. Yeah. Just two. And he has that other one that was a faith movie that was about World War Two or whatever. Yeah. Ha- is it Hacksaw Ridge or is that a different one? Yes. I think you're correct. And then he's also got a TV show coming out later this year, I think, that's all about... Um, like the Mormon church. Oh. So Andrew Garfield might be the key to making this podcast successful. Is it's just do all of his movies. Is he um is he religious? I don't know. I would imagine so. well, maybe not. I don't know. Silence and Hacksaw Ridge would kind of lead me to say so, but this one's more of a critique, so I wouldn't know if he'd be as eager to sign up for that. So I gave my opening remarks basically saying that I think it's one of the top three. Um what, what would you say? How, how do you how did you enjoy this movie? I really enjoyed it. I think it's a really well made movie. Um, it sort of falls into some of the tropes of like biopics. You know, how if you've seen one biopic, you've like seen it all kind of. Yeah. And even like it's a really good video. I think it's by Patrick Willems. And he talks about how like every biopic, it's like it starts with their um it starts with them about to do one big final concert. And then right before they got on stage, they have a flashback to their whole life. And at some point there's drug issues. And at some point there's marital issues. And it's like, that's this movie to a T. Like it even starts with her, like putting on her makeup for her, her like big performance for the first time in like a decade. Yeah. I was like, that's weird. I didn't expect this movie to follow that formula since it's not like technically about a musician or it is, but it's not like a music biopic. Yeah, it's interesting because this is one of those, I mean, it's a biopic that in my mind rises above the ranks. Like, I think one of the more recent ones I watched was, uh, gosh, what is it? Bohemian Rhapsody. And um, yeah, that, that wasn't my favorite movie in the world. Yeah, it's like they're fun, but they feel ultimately really hollow. Right. But this one, I, like, I feel like there's enough there to, to stop it from falling into that that hole. And for the so, listeners who haven't seen this movie, um, I guess how would you how would you start it off to get them kind of on the same the same train mindset? Yeah, so this movie is the story of uh, Tammy Faye. Tammy Faye Baker would be the full name when she's married, and she is uh, a woman who, along with her first husband Jim Barker Baker, I can't remember their last name. Yeah, it's Baker. Baker. Jim Baker. Um, they basically found like uh, the 
a massive like televangelist TV network, and it's about their rise and fall and everything that happens in between. Yeah, the ups, the downs, the side to sides. I'd, I'd say that's a perfect way to describe it. Um, it's uh, maybe it's unintentionally like I would you say the moments where they're like showing praise are those meant to come off as genuine in your eyes or are they meant to come off as like comedic um i don't i feel like they're meant to be genuine to a point um i i think it's not necessarily making jokes as it is criticizing the people who who worship and praise in this specific way because it it does seem disingenuine a lot of the time especially when they're up there on tv raking in millions of dollars a year it kind of it can sort of make it ring hollow so i think it's not so much making fun of it as it is critiquing that type of performed worship so would you say the main characters um hannah uh, gosh i'm sorry well i was gonna say <laughs> i was gonna say hannah baker that's a that's a that's, completely that's, different thing tammy that's Faye. 13 reasons why isn't yeah, it yeah that is <laughs> um <laughs> Tammy, Tammy Faye Baker and Jim Baker, mm-hmm. would you say they're portrayed as like, um, I guess like the heroes of the story or would you, would you deem them as like, I think Tammy Faye is, I mean, her name's in the title. So it sort of make it implies that, but also I think she is more so the central figure. Cause there are a lot of times where we don't see Jim Baker for like large chunks of the movie, or we see him only through like screens or only through like the distance as Tammy Faye is watching him and he's not really as much of a character for a lot of it. So I think Tammy Faye is definitely like the protagonist. I wouldn't necessarily say she's the hero cause it's more so like showing everything she's been through. It's not necessarily saying what she did was right or wrong. It right. doesn't like, cause I, I try to look into this. I don't know how in re- cause this is based off a true story. Um, or is a true story. I don't, I don't know how much they, they changed, obviously. But from what I was looking into, I don't know how involved Tammy Faye was in the like the swindling of money that happened that got Jim Baker arrested. Um, if she was completely oblivious and not involved, then she's not the bad per- she's not a bad person here. But it's hard to imagine her not knowing anything at the same time. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. One of those situations where like just, I mean, by association, by like by being, you know, the wife of Jim Baker, you'd imagine that she'd have some kind of idea of what was going on. But I guess that's up to, I don't, I'd like, like you said, I don't know the facts apart from the film. But in this film, um, mm-hmm. it seems like she had nothing to do with it, or at least that's how it came off to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the film portrays her very much as a victim of his and quoted sort of everything like this whole movie is essentially people taking advantage of her and her faith to get something out of it because even early on before they're successful like she's really passionate and she seems to be the one putting in the work to like the puppet show and their early successes it seems to be her driving it just because she's passionate about it and there's something about the jim baker character that just makes it seem more like he is like not necessarily genuine as much as he is like taking advantage of the situation that he sees. Mm-hmm. I'd say that he's 
at least to me, he, he starts up as genuine. Like the way he's, um, I think he's, I think at the beginning of the film, they're both in a Bible college or something like that. Like, uh, yeah, like a Christian college. Or yeah, something. exactly. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, I feel like he, I guess she comes on to him, but the way that mm-hmm. he talks about scripture at least seems genuine. So I guess, I, I don't know if I saw it as him taking advantage of the situation. Maybe I felt like. Not early on. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah that's definitely more of a later thing. Um, but yeah, I, overall, I'd say the film was, at least for me, I was really sad by the end of it. I don't know mm-hmm. if you felt the same way, or I don't know what the... No, it's it's definitely a sad film. You definitely feel for, for Tammy Faye. At the same time, I was sort of questioning, like, how much the film was maybe leaving out, because biopics tend to do that. Um, but I still, yeah, still at the end, I was just like, that's, like, real, real crappy what happened to her, like if she wasn't involved at all in her husband's crimes, like she sort of got the stain on her name for just stuff her husband did basically. Right. Cause her husband was like taking money to cover up an affair and that stained her name, even though like she just, you know, she wasn't involved in that. That was her scumbag husband. Right. And during the end of the film, um, Tammy Faye Baker, she's kind of singing in front of an mm-hmm. audience and in the scene there's like a choir that appears behind her and it's uh she's would you say that she's just singing and no one's like um i guess vibing to it i don't know if that's even a good way to put it but you understand what i'm asking i don't i do i don't think that's relevant because if you notice it's not that they show the audience not reacting they just kind of don't it's all focused on Tammy. Tammy is what's the focus of the film, not the audience's reaction to her. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I don't know. And I don't know if it's relevant to what they're, the point they were trying to make in that moment. But for you, was that supposed to indicate like a very successful, like uh, what would you say that the final scene is trying to indicate to the audience? I think it's the, Tammy Faye, her whole thing is she just wanted to sing and perform, and this is the first time she's like really getting a chance to do that on her own terms. Okay. So it's about her taking that for herself and doing this performance to prove to herself she can do it, and it's the first time she's really performed for herself and not for like the sake of growing a brand. Right. That makes sense. Um, so, so I guess a good question to kind of get us into the theology of all of it is, is this kind of mm-hmm. the general perception that you see mega churches or what, I guess what to start off, what's your general opinion on like the mega church um, industry? I'm not too familiar with mega churches. Well, is that what you would, as... is that, but isn't that what you would, I don't know. I guess that's what I would consider this. What would you consider this style of, well, I think it is, it is technically a, a, a mega church, but it's also like televangelism, which is like a specific breed of like mega churches. Cause there are like mega churches that are here local. Like I think Sagebrush is a local one that's technically a mega church, but it's not like a full televangelist thing. And I think they're probably both considered mega churches, but I think the televangelism is what I think separates this and makes it a more, I would say problematic version of it. Mm-hmm. 
What's because, your problem with it? Well, it seems like all the televangelists seem to be making a, an insane amount of money, which doesn't seem to be the point. <laughs> They're profiteering off of faith, which isn't necessarily something one should do. And I know they preach like prosperity gospel, which is a whole load of BS, but it's it's what they believe and it's what they preach, but it's just seems very weird. There's like um I mean look at this, like he was laundering money to put into his own house or to pay off his affairs, you know? Right. And it's not the only televangelist that's gotten in trouble for spending money inappropriately. You read news stories about it all the time. In fact, Jim Baker recently got in trouble for this again, like two years ago. Oh, seriously? <laughs> yeah, he started another mega church, but this time he's like doomsday focused, so he's like preaching about like the rapture and the end of days and then he's like buy my doomsday kit now it includes like six weeks of food all this other stuff and then he also like sold a magic covid cure which he got sued for by like the state of kentucky or something no way that's crazy yeah so like i think broadcasting the and preaching on the tel on the television or on the internet or however you're doing it to widen your net is not inherently a problem I think the problem is all these people that seem to be getting really successful at it seem to basically be like con men. <laughs> They're just there to sell something and make a quick buck. Yeah, that, that's a good point. And I think, I mean, I'm kind of on the same bandwagon as you just because, I mean, just being part of Catholicism, this is just kind of a very different realm of Christianity that. Yeah, because yeah, none of those are. Or they're all Baptist or pro or other Protestant sects. Right. There's no Catholic televangelists because they they see the problems <laughs> in it. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, I I guess that kind of answers my question, and I guess we're kind of on the same page of just the whole. Uh... Sorry, losing my words. Because mm -hmm. like I get it. It's not cheap to run like a media empire and to like broadcast to satellite and produce shows that are running on like a 24 seven. Like you have new shows running all the time. That's not easy and that's not cheap, but also so much of that money goes into pockets. There's so many of these pastors that have like mega mansions and private jets. And it's like, I don't think you, I don't think that's the point of this. Right. Yeah. There's, I don't think that private jets for prayer. There's something really, yeah, there's something really like, I don't, is crummy a word? Crummy? C R U M yeah. B. Yeah. Um, well, about, I don't know if there's a B in there, but yeah. <laughs> about um, saying donate because God would like you to donate type thing. Well, yeah, because a lot of the times, too, it's so predatory because it's something like, oh, you're in debt now. Well, here, send us $5, and that's planting your seed, and that seed will grow into great fortune for you if you give that money to God. And it's like, you're not giving that money to God. You're giving it the money to the guy on the TV. Yeah. He's pocketing that and buying another Rolex. Like, no. Like, it's... That's, like... There's a, there's always stories about, like, the... There's, like, the televangelists who do, like, the, the healing over the phone or whatever, and there's just... It seems like all the, like, worst, like, charlatan aspects of religion get crammed into televangelism, and that's most of what it is. I'm sure they're, like, good. Like, they're just there. They just do a sermon on the TV twice a week or something, and that's fine. It's those I don't have a problem with. It's specifically the people like Jim Baker who live in a very nice mansion on the beachfront and have like 
access to like I like they shouldn't live in poverty, no, but like it's too much. Yeah. Especially I mean in the film, like it, it kind of goes about in a way where you can kind of see that it's manipulative. Like uh, they they essentially hop on camera to put on a sad face. Like they're getting ready to like perform to get the get the money rolling in whenever something's mm-hmm. going on. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I mean, the film obviously, I, I guess, over. I, well, I guess I could ask this to you. Would you say that the film portrays that style in a negative light or would you say that it was um in the middle or would you say that it was good i would say it's the film's pretty negative about it it shows that like because it shows the on camera and then the behind the scenes like how sort of manipulative it is and how it's like like at one point he says like they're talking about building a theme park or something and he says like oh well i already spent all the pledges we already had towards the theme park towards another studio so we need more pledges to actually get started on this and stuff like that so it's like never like genuine it's always just digging further and further or clawing further and further there's always more and more and more it's never we've settled our debts let's just keep going it's always more and more and it's also not just more and more and more like giving you know like the amount of money they could give to charity and it's like now nah, we're gonna build a dope theme park or we're gonna expand our house right like the the whole uh christian uh chris or yeah christian theme park where you feel comfortable which i think they did open oh is that a thing like a real thing yeah i think it's in i think it's in florida honestly do you know what it's called i don't huh yeah but i'm pretty sure it's like near like it's like 20 minutes from disney world or something really that's interesting because when they were talking about that i thought that was kind of I don't know. That just seemed. I'm oh, sorry. They built it. It was Heritage USA, which was in uh, South Carolina. However, it is no longer open. Yeah. It closed in '89. But there is a Bible theme park like in Florida, like 20 minutes from Disney World. Oh, that's a thing. <laughs> yeah. It's like a. Uh, from what I understand, it's like it's called the Holy Land Experience. <laughs> yeah. Seriously? Never mind. That also closed. Whoops. Okay. Oh, that closed in 2020 though. That's a recent closer. To be fair, interesting. I'd like to I'd like to see videos about that because when they were going about the whole water theme park type thing that Tammy Faye was helping, uh, convinced that that it was a good idea. I was thinking to myself, no, she was flirting. Yeah, Uh, yeah, clearly. Was she though? I don't think she was. No, she wasn't. It was just Jim Baker was an asshole. Yeah, yeah. Jim Baker was probably he he was awful. Mm-hmm. Like he was he was the bad guy and probably gay yeah super well not super it was i i thought it was heavily implied yeah and i know in real life it's always been sort of like debated and no one's sure but yeah. yeah it seems pretty obviously not that that's a problem but for him it was clearly a problem and for the people he associated with it was clearly a problem but right otherwise he wouldn't have hidden it so a fun fact about this movie that i liked was the actress that played tammy faye um Jessica Chastain, Chastain, Chastain. Um, she covered all the songs, which I think is really cool. Because you know, sometimes oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, sometimes for these, um, I guess sometimes for films in general, like the actor or like the voice actor won't be the same person as the person that's singing. Mm-hmm. So it's cool that she was able to like do the covers herself. Especially, I mean, yeah. she had some singing chops. Honestly, that's a that's the one thing I give 
Bohemian Rhapsody a lot of credit for is they actually used the um I can't remember the actor's name in that. Rami Malik. Rami Malik actually like did covers of all the Queen songs mm-hmm. and they like mixed his vocals with Freddie Mercury's. It's like the one thing that movie did cool. Yeah. Um so were there any standouts? I mean obviously uh Tammy Faye's uh actor actress. Jessica yeah, thank you. She yes. she won a is it an Academy Award that she won? Yeah, she won the Academy Award for Best Actress for her portrayal of Tammy Faye in this film. Were there were there any other standouts for you personally? I mean, Andrew Garfield was really good on it. He's good at that, like, switching personalities, kind of, where he, like, he's on and then he, like, isn't. He's really good at, like, switching between those when he has to. Like, there's a point, I think it's when they're arguing in bed, I think, and he's, like, waiting for a phone call. And he's, like, being sort of harsh with her, but then the second he answers the phone, it's just immediate switch to, like, oh, hey, it's me, super friendly pastor guy. Right. Yeah, um, I'd have to agree. Um, I, Vincent D'Onofrio was good, but he was barely in it, but his performance was really good. Right. He was... Uh, he was the Baptist guy who ran his own televangelist network that was the one who eventually shut them down because he, like, dug up all the dirt on them by pretending to help them. Right. And he was also the guy who was talking when they were in the fields, talking about how they put all their money into getting Reagan elected and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then he was the one that got mad when Tammy Faye was speaking to the AIDS patient. Yeah. He was, I guess he would, would you like consider him a secondary villain? Yeah, I would say he's probably the, yeah, probably second main antagonist. Cause I would say the main is probably Jim Baker. But again, that depends on the point of the film, but he's definitely like the main. Right. Antagonist, but yeah, then then his character, I can't remember his name, but he was definitely the other one because he's like said, we'll take care of you. Just let us know what you need. And then they write down what they need. And then he uses that to expose them as like scammers or how they're just desperate for money. And then he like digs up the letters that maybe Jim Baker was gay and stuff like that. Like he's the one that exposed all that. So despite pretending to be their friend. So for this film, would you say there were any like standout scenes that stuck with you that um, I guess? Yeah. That stuck with you. Um, I'm trying to think. I have sorry. I watched this a few days ago now. Um, was there anything that? Yeah, I just you? watched it recently, so I could probably will jog in the time. Be yeah. No, I. I for me, um, I don't know. I think the introduction, just like the the pool scene, was pretty cool. Um, it kind of like explained the characters, you know, really well set everything up in a good way um motivation stuff like that mm-hmm. that was a good introduction to the characters um i thought just the characters overall were pretty good i liked tammy's mother mm-hmm. uh, she, she was sort of like she saw it sort of see or saw through all the the crap and was like this isn't what any of this is about and then as soon as she they started she started like getting stuff out of it. she's like Nah, this is cool, actually. Right, yeah. Oh, I get a nice coat? Hell yeah. Oh, I get a dope house? Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never mind. Forget everything I said. <laughs> this is awesome. Yeah. Um. Oh. But she's sort of similar to Jim Baker in that, like, she was sort of, like, 
abusive towards her not necessarily in like a literal like physical sense more so like an emotionally right. abusive because early on in the film like she wanted to attend church but because she was a from a previous marriage before a divorce she would shun the whole family so she like wanted to go to church but wasn't allowed to and her mom would always be like i hate you basically right and coming like following up with that i another standout scene for me was the whole just the beginning just with the church scene i didn't quite mm-hmm. Like, if I would have just watched that intro scene, I would have been really confused at what the rest of the film was going to be. Um, yeah, so I knew nothing about this film. So I had given you sort of a brief summary of what this movie was to convince you that we should watch it for the podcast. I just saw that she won an Oscar for it, knew nothing about it, didn't know it was based on a true story. And I started watching it and I was like, what is this a comedy? Like, what is this? And then, like, as I started getting into it, I was like, oh, no, this is good. This is like. I get what this is doing. I didn't, and then I learned it based on a true story. It's like, oh, we got to do this for the podcast for sure. Yeah. Um, what? What was? What was the thing that she drank? That she drank. Yeah. Do you remember? So she. So for the listeners, basically, Tammy uh, Baker. She is a little girl, and she sneaks into to, into the uh, the little preaching session by the mm-hmm. pastor, and she walks up to the pastor. Or I guess the preacher, and he's like, "Are you ready to accept God into your life, little little lady?" And she says yes, mm-hmm. and then she drinks something, and then she. My wife thought that she started speaking Latin on the floor. It looked like she was having a seizure. Did you, seizure. Do you remember? So that was pretty much supposed to just be, like whatever this sex version of communion was. I had assumed like it was communion wine or whatever their version of it was. Cause he had it in like the fancy cup and the way he was holding it and stuff. It sort of seemed like he was offering this sex version of communion, whatever that happens to be. Mm-hmm. And then there, I, so I think what she was doing is she was performing. I think she had probably seen, cause wasn't, didn't she watch somebody kind of like speak Latin or something through the window? I can't remember when she was spying on it. Maybe. Um, I don't think so. I think so. what she was doing is she was like imitating that and like pretending to, or maybe she generally thought she was speaking to Jesus, but she was just sort of like performing what she knew they wanted to see. Okay. That's why I took it is she saw this sort of stuff happening and decided I'm going to commit to that and was sort of performing, or maybe she believed it herself even, but that's sort of the way I had taken it. Were you able to um, think of a scene that resonated with you or that you kind of, that stuck with you for this film? Uh, that opening was really good. That one sort of hooked me in. Um, another one is there's, I mean, maybe I misunderstood the scene, but they're about to go on stage to do their like puppet show, which was broadcast live. And Jim was talking about maybe getting his nighttime show. And from what I understood, the producer said no, but then he just got up on his show and said, we're doing this now. And sort of like, like just to say, nah. I announced it. We're doing it now, punk. Yeah. But maybe I misheard and maybe they did approve it before he said it. But to me, it looked like they said no. And he said, yes. <laughs> and now it's public and now you have to do it. Yeah. And that kind of goes to the scene that I mentioned, the very first pull scene, just at the end of the pull scene where uh, Tammy and Jim are kind of in the bathroom. And um, mm-hmm. Jim's just telling Tammy, like, you can't talk like that. Uh, Jerry's like a really powerful man. Um, mm-hmm. And it kind of ties it all together with like. You know, she's like, but you're a powerful man, right. Jim Baker. Yeah, which I mean, it's kind of ironic for how the rest of the film went, but it's a, uh, I think it's a cool scene to kind of get the ball rolling. Yeah, no, definitely. Also, there was 
another one is that I kind of talked about it already, but when they're in the fields and they're talking about how like they helped Reagan win the election and stuff like that. And it's like, it sounded like the same type of crap you hear nowadays, even where they're like, the Democrats are stealing yeah. shit or they're trying to like corrupt America's soul or whatever. Cause they're not Christian. Right. I was like, wow, politics hasn't changed in 40 years. That's fun. Yeah. That was a bit, I, I, I figured you enjoyed that bit. Just the dialogue for that scene. Mm-hmm. It's just funny. It's like, yeah, things, things haven't changed and they never will. Yay. <laughs> well, yeah, overall, anyway, do you have any last thoughts or anything you wanted to throw in? There? No. Yeah. So I'd say, I already said this, but probably top three films I've watched of the podcast. I don't think we're doing, I don't, I don't think we've been doing the rating thing, but I'll just leave off that. I definitely, definitely enjoyed it. And what about you? Any last words that you'd like to leave off on? Uh, yeah, I really liked it. Um, I don't think of controversial take. Don't think she should have gotten the Oscar for this. Not my favorite performance of the year, but Oscars don't mean anything anyway. So who cares? It's true. Okay, well, thank you everyone for listening to this episode. And next episode, we have a really special episode. It's going to be the Easter episode. And Archie, um, I, would you say you have a, dista- a distaste for this movie? Um, not a distaste. It just doesn't seem... It just seems like not fun to watch. Yeah. And for, Do I want to suffer for two hours? Right. No? Too bad, you're watching... Passion of the Christ for Easter. Yep. <laughs> so see you guys next next episode, and we will also have a special guest, a close friend in our in our lives. So thank you for watching. It's Jesus, he's always with us. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye.